welcome to The Beauty Formula, where we go behind the scenes with skincare formulators and beauty innovators. Here, you will get an intimate look into their personal journey to success and their beauty formulations from inception to creation. Today, we will be talking with Alisar Zar from Revision Skincare. Yeah, so that kind of takes me to like my next line of questioning because I know with, you know, all of the FDA regulations and what you can and can't say, you know, you can say it brightens the skin, not you know, lightens, things like that. But I feel like because of those regulations, anybody can make those claims. So like to a, cons- like the everyday consumer that's going to look to buy a product and someone says this brightens your skin or and stuff, and they want to know if it's really going to do anything and if it has, you know, studies on it, what's what's a good way for a consumer to be able to understand if a clinical study is like a good one or not, I guess. That's a, that's a great question. I think consumers today are very educated and, and they have so many resources to their fingertips, right? Whether it's the brand website, whether it's influencers, whether it's podcasts or Netflix series, like Dr. Nazarian series talking (laughs) about the skin. Um, they can go to their physicians, their dermoplastics, their medical estheticians for help. But I think it's really looking at the websites, looking at the before and afters, looking at the fine print where it says statistical significance results on file, um, you know, results, I mean, that on file result may vary, but speaking to their physician, asking them like, do you recommend this product? And then if that physician or esthetician recommends it, really that the patient sticks to the product and really truly follows instructions on the news because a lot of patients are very, very not patient. <laughs> they yeah. want things to happen immediately. But right. within Revision Skincare, our philosophy is to create healthy, beautiful skin. And to do that and push the skin to long-term skin health, we focus on how we formulate. And our a majority of our products to see the results like in a broad patient population with statistical significance, you see that 12 weeks. You start seeing it at four weeks, but really it's that 12-week time point and you continue on that regimen to see more results. But going online, looking at the before and afters, asking questions and testing it out yourself to see if it works for you. But not to give up after just two days or three days of use, but really to continue using the product for at least, I would say, eight weeks to 12 weeks to see something. Um Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, I feel like anything that's going to give an immediate effect isn't going to give a long-term effect most of the time. Exactly. Um, so you said statistic significance. Is that something yeah. that you cannot claim unless there is a change? Or is that like, like a so, go-to word that somebody could look for in a study? There, That is a go-to word. So, yeah. A result that's not statistically significant means that it really did not happen. Mm-hmm. It was. It just happened by chance. So when we have placebo-controlled studies, we compare the placebo group versus the active group. And if we're focusing on fine lines and wrinkles in the crow's feet, if the active group saw a huge improvement and the placebo group did not, we have to do statistics across those two groups to ensure that the active truly is seeing it and not just by chance. So it's actually, I spend a lot of time working with our sales team about statistical analysis and how we do statistics. And that's why at Revision, we have an arsenal of consultants that are statisticians and they're incredibly intelligent and they teach me things that 
never knew I would know, but it's, yeah. So typically if you have a claim and we have that in our leave, uh, our leave behind brochures and consumer brochures, our marketing team makes it, they always will state statistically significant. There's always an asterisk, mm-hmm. like a star or a double star or three stars. So we do that at revision. We ensure that our results are, we do not speak to results that are not statistically significant. We don't, we may highlight, we always tend to highlight the statistically significant results because those are the claims that we can be confident in. So if we're saying that's going to improve overall skin tone evenness in the hyperpigmentation arena and it's statistically significantly going to do that, then we highlight that. Because mm-hmm. that's a, if we do not, then it's a false positive. Your patient is going to be a little bit upset that that yeah. isn't the truth, right? So um, we connect everything based on statistical analysis. It's very important. Yeah. And, and I think that is so important because I see, I mean, it's confusing even sometimes for me, like I will be shopping on Sephora or something and getting some makeup or whatever. And then I will just like browse through their skincare and I'll look at the, you know, description and it will be like a hundred percent of patients using this all felt their skin was smoother or, you know, more plump. So that or- kind of claim, yeah, that kind of claim is a consumer survey. So mm-hmm. we do those as well. We do self-assessment questionnaires. So we understand what did the patient feel when she was going through the clinical study. So those consumer uh, studies or surveys really help engage the audience. That wow, like look at the number of participants, or look mm-hmm. at if there actually is an improvement from baseline. Everything has to be compared to a baseline point, right? And you have to make sure that that also is statistically significant. Let's say it's a 12-week study and um, at baseline, there was, no, there was no change in improvement. Then you really can't talk about that. Mm-hmm. So we work very closely with our regulatory team and our marketing team, especially regulatory, to ensure that every claim that is to be made can be clinically substantiated for and with clinical evidence that are robust data. So we make, we, yeah, we definitely take pride in that. And so what is like the gold standard of um, clinical research, like for skincare? Is it the double blind placebo controlled studies? The, yes. I mean, it's interesting. Like um, it is. So body firm would probably be the the gold standard where it was a split body, Mm -hmm. split body, randomized placebo controlled double blinded study. So because when you are doing a study on the person themselves, you remove the genetic uh, genetic issue. So across the patient. So if you have, so with body firm, it was a split arm study. So this the pa- one patient was applying both the placebo and the active on their on their on their arms, but they did not know which was placebo, which was active, and really the formulations looked exactly alike. And so, but they were con- instructed. You know, this tube was labeled right. So every day, twice daily, you take the right tube and you put it on your right arm. And then the mm-hmm. left tube, you put on the left arm. So that type of study is the best. So a split phase or a split body study, it would be considered the best, highest study with placebo controlled. Sometimes it's difficult when you have a lot of products on the face, doing a split face study can be very difficult for that patient. Mm-hmm. Not, I mean, I would not want to do that. <laughs> like, no. I think that'd be so hard. And I, I, I always test products, you know, on myself as well. And having to do a split face study, I, I feel after the five days, I'm like, I don't know how anybody does this. So you have to make it very simple. So with C plus, we did a placebo controlled. So we had a group, we had 31 subjects in the placebo group and 31 subjects in the active group. 
And they had their own. So the placebo group had the placebo products and then and then the active group had the active products. But that's another way to do it because sometimes mm-hmm. it really does get hard to do a split face study. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even having the tubes and being like, okay, is this the left or the right? Did I put it on the wrong one? Yeah, and you label it all. But it just, yeah, I mean, but remember, we're all human and we also, exactly. we don't excel at everything, right? So it has to be very, very simple for the consumer to understand, the patient to understand. So mm-hmm. we, at times, decide that what would be best for us and ensure that our study goes flawless is to perhaps not do a split face study, but to do you know a placebo controlled study. Mm-hmm. And there are times when we do open label studies because we just we know the product is going to be really great, and this is the type of study we want to do. But we also ensure that the number of subjects we recruit also will be part of that highest standards, right? So thirty plus subjects in the study, and then sometimes we do case studies where um, there are between ten to fifteen subjects, and it really just depends on the recruitment criteria and how difficult it is to get that subset of patients. So the melasma publication was a case study. So it was 10 subjects completed the study, but that was within Dr. Omar Ibrahim's um, um, practice. And to recruit 10 subjects with melasma that have not been treated with any product for three months is very difficult. Mm-hmm. So you have to look at the recruitment criteria and see with what is the what can you just settle for? And is it going to achieve statistical significance? And we saw that it did, which was amazing. So. That is amazing. Um, one of the newest type ingredients that I really like on the market is the prebiotic that is in mm-hmm. the C plus and the DEJ line. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, definitely. And uh, this is actually one of the, you know, the mention of how do you like create products and if there's a product on the market, are there any, you know, how could you make the product better and mm-hmm. how does revision do that? So with the DJ face and eye cream, and then when we introduced the night cream, you know, they had been already on the market. And so what we did in 2018 was we learned more about the microbiome. And it was something that Tatiana had brought into the mix with Nectar from Advance in 2017. But with DJ you know, we're targeting practically every layer of the skin and we're trying to look at multiple pathways and how to push the skin to a healthier state. So alpha-glucan oligosaccharide is a prebiotic and a prebiotic's function on the skin is to help balance and diversify that microbiome or the bacterial um, family that's on the face. And so when we talk about the microbiome, especially on the skin, the facial skin, we're looking at balance, we're looking at diversity, and really understanding what is healthy skin and how does that contribute to the aging process or anti-aging process. So we we knew there was an opportunity. Uh, we have been attending um, the first ever International Microbiome Conference for Congress in Boston. It was in 2018. And we just knew that this is something that's going to be here to stay. We saw that the gut microbiome has been you know, really in the press for such a long time. We knew that the gut and the skin are all connected to each other. It's actually the gut-brain skin axis as well. The brain also is part of that. So we really wanted to continue striving for achieving healthy, beautiful skin. And part of that in our formulation pillar is the microbiome. So yes, we have, we formulated alpha-glucanoglycycarate into DJ, the DJ family. And with C+, when we're talking about skin that's hyperpigmented or having um, photo damage, that skin is not in a healthy state. So adding in beta-glucan, which is another prebiotic, but has been really um, 
an important active for wound healing, we felt it would resonate within the product itself and really help that skin that really has damage to push it to a healthier state. So um, we've been formulating and ensuring that our formulations contain these prebiotics. And we really do believe it's here to stay. So microbiome is something that um, just last year, I think myself, I attended three microbiome congresses and then Tatiana attended two. But between the two of us and my team, we're constantly attending microbiome um, seminars and symposiums and trying to do research in that area as well. And with Body Firm, we have performed research in the microbiome. We have a model that we utilize and we published within um, the American Academy of Dermatology. We have a poster from last year that speaks to the microbiome and some of the studies that we ran for it. And we're continuing a lot of efforts in that area as well. So, I know. I think that's just... I have sometimes a hard time explaining. I mean, obviously I'm not as eloquent as you are saying about that. um, Explaining like to people what it does besides just saying, you know, it makes your skin healthier and, you know, obviously healthier skin is more beautiful skin and younger skin. um, Because I always get confused with that. And then some of the other ingredients that we'll use like, the bacteria present on your skin to change. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, so you mean like a pro, like a probiotic. So there's there's different so there's a probiotic approach with some companies have where they're actually adding live bacteria, but those types of products don't have a very long shelf life and they have to be placed in the refrigerator. So that's one approach. There's also a lot of companies will state that they have a probiotic, but actually it's a postbiotic. It's the cell, the bacterial cell that's been lysed and broken apart. It's that collection of the, of the cellular wall and the nutrients the cell makes. And that's a postbiotic. So that's also a different approach. Why would you want a postbiotic in your skincare? It doesn't... So an example of a postbiotic is lactic acid. So some, oh, okay. of, the, so some of the byproducts that bacteria make could be healthy for the skin. And that's, so there's a lot of, a lot of research in these, in this, in this category, but what we, what we see, um, and when we attend these conferences, a lot of attention on, um, disease states. So eczema, psoriasis, and acne, and focusing on shifting the microbiome with live bacteria that have been genetically modified that can help the skin recover its balance and diversity. But we're not talking about anything with disease states. We're focusing on aging and skin, beautiful skin. What we know is that as we age, our microbiome actually changes. It mm-hmm. becomes less diverse and less balanced. And patients that there's been some really beautiful studies conducted in Asia that has shown that um, areas of countries like in Japan and Korea and China where there is pollution, those patients that are in a pollution, polluted city have a different microbiome than those that are not in there are in the mountains, for example, right? So mm-hmm. we know that your microbiome is impacted by your environment. And, and so by then looping that into how does that affect your face? Well, your face is going to age based on environmental stressors, as well as intrinsic, your genetic makeup. So how can we help um, balance it? And we so that's what we strive for. So a prebiotic are more like these sugar-based molecules that help good bacteria 
they're also known as commensal bacteria, utilize and as a nutrient and that can help really balance the growth of the good bacteria versus the pathogenic or bad bacteria. And so the goal is balance and diversity, and that gives you an optimal microbiome. And that is what's resonating and what, you know, many doctors speak about and physicians, not physicians, doctors, meaning PhD scientists that are mm-hmm. looking at this area. So, yeah. yeah, no, that's super fascinating. And I mean, this might be a stupid question, but how Nothing then, is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure just trying to like break it all down in my mind. So how then is lactic acid a postbiotic? A lot of bacteria make different byproducts. And uh-huh. I just don't, I'm, I, I, I don't know all the, the details in the chemistry. I just threw that out there as I know that for a fact there are bacteria that do make lactic acid. And okay. lactic acid actually is important for the skin, right? It's actually, um, we put lactic acid in formulations to help with right cell turnover, right? So mm-hmm. the bacteria on your skin also contribute to your, um, your skin barrier. And they're actually, what has been shown is that these bacteria also work really well with keratinocytes for immunosurveillance, like surveying the land and making sure that the skin is in the most optimal state. So what, as we age, our skin you know, becomes more dry. And if we don't supplement with moisturizers, we have a breakdown in the barrier. And that barrier leads to a lot of inflammation. And so really the microbiome is working with the skin cells to help with that balance. It's just really fascinating. I mean, it's yeah. really fascinating what's been shown. And even, did you know that our microbiome actually also can help with um, protection from UV? No. Yeah, it can. And so another one of my favorite ingredients I find fascinating is the diclusal gallic acid because that yes. uses bacteria within the skin. So what is that considered? So that's, um, we say it's working with the microbiome, but it's just an ingredient it's an, so diglucosal gallic acid, the key is the gallic acid. Gallic acid is an antioxidant that is unstable when formulated by itself. Furthermore, it's an antioxidant that actually helps with reduction of or skin lightening. It actually is, if it gets taken into the melanocytes, it, it helps with prevention of pigmentation. But to deliver um, gallic acid to the skin is quite difficult to stabilize mm-hmm. it. So there was this genius way of coupling it with these diglucosal groups. And so there was, it was found in the bacteria in the skin, bacteria secrete different types of enzymes that can break down different chemical links within a molecule. So it was found that um, there's these glucosidases, these are enzymes that are secreted by bacteria that can break down the, the, the molecular link between the diglucosal and the gallic acid. So we were like, let's add this into Nectar from Advance because it'll help further with the brightening. So mm-hmm. that's also, yeah, it's in Nectar from Advance. It's in, I think it's in Body Firm too. <laughs> I think it's in Body Firm too. So yeah, yeah, definitely. And I mean, it's just so amazing to me how people are figuring this stuff out. <laughs> like- there is, there's so much to know about the microbiome and what is happening. And they're just really, it's, we are more bacteria than human, to be very oh. honest, on our skin. There are wow. more like bacteria, viruses, pathogens, you know, everything. There's more of that than our own human skin cells. It's kind of wow. scary, but it's true. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was talking earlier on a podcast earlier this week and about, you know, the term medical grade skincare or physician dispensed skincare, you know, whatever you have it these days. Um, and, 
you know, I was saying that I call it medical grade skincare because that's what I've called it for the last 15 years. And I just don't find a need to change it. <laughs> and so, yeah. you know, people were saying like, it's just expensive. It's the same thing you can get over the counter and all the stuff. And, you know, I said the, to my point, the main difference I feel is that the, the you know, the clinical research behind it, like if you're going to spend this much money, you know, 120 bucks or whatever on a product, I want to know that it's going to make a difference and it's not just marketing, you know, that's where the clinical research. And I feel like that's where makes something to me medical grade is that right. it has science backing it. What are your thoughts on the, that like term or, you know, physician dispensed skincare in general? Do you feel like that that's what separates it? Or what do you think the difference between that is and like department store skincare? That's such a great question. And coming from Johnson Johnson and, you know, Neutrogena and just looking mm -hmm. at how we formulated and, you know, there's, it's, you know, basically the looking at the price point. So yes, you're correct. Physician dispense or medical grade skincare is more expensive. Why is it expensive? It is because what goes, the research that goes into creating that product and the ingredients within that product are more expensive. Our products, we, we source ingredients globally. We work, like I explained, with consultants and other you know, subject matter experts to even license, te license technologies which have shown clinical efficacy. And so those ingredients cost so much more than just an ingredient that's being put into a department store or even like in a Walmart or, you know, a target store. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's, and the rigor and the science that goes behind the physician dispense, especially at revision, I can speak to what we do at revision. Mm -hmm. There's so much rigor and science that's being behind our products that that's where we price the price point makes sense for that. And, and because we work with our physicians to validate our clinical studies and our protocols, our designs and our results. I think that the customer or your patient should be confident that this product is going to help their skin. Um, and I'm not, you know, talking bad about any other product. Yeah, I just sure. know at Revision, this is what we do. And, and, and when you, you know, go to a Sephora or an Ulta, the question is like, what has that company done to prove mm -hmm. out the science of their product? Are they just throwing ingredients together for the sake of it? What is their formulation philosophy? What's the pH of the formula? Is it going to affect their skin? Is it going to cause more inflammation and damage than actually help the skin? Right. Um, so, yeah. And I mean, I, I agree. I, you know, I think that there's amazing products in every category out there. And I think that yeah. the difference is, or at least for me, it's like, if I, if I'm going to spend money on something, I want it to be, I want to know it's going to work. I'm going to be confident yeah. that it's not going to cause a reaction. It's not going to, you know, especially make things worse or, and that it's going to do something long-term. And I feel like for consumers, it's so hard to, to know what's going to work or to trust something is going to work. And then if you can see the clinical research behind it, then, you know, you feel a lot more confident rather than just picking something up from the shelf and hoping it's going to work. I agree. I mean, but also it's all price point too. I mean, if, depending on your age, I mean, can you imagine, uh, I mean, maybe it's changed, <laughs> but a teenager <laughs> using IntelliShade, why would a teenager use IntelliShade? Maybe their mom or dad are physicians or they're using it. Perhaps that's why they're using it. But will, an, will, will a teenager just go to Walmart or CVS and get um, a Neutrogena zinc product? Sure. Mm -hmm. it's, they can, and it's still, there are still great products, but it's just depending on their the cost and what they want to spend on it. Right. And exactly. our products are just all inclusive. Like our Intel shades 
are not just a sunscreen, but they're a sunscreen and a moisturizer that have clinical evidence and the only product on the market that has three bioavailable peptides that have been shown to improve the skin dermis and really just help with the skin in all aspects. And we have clinical robustness on that. Other okay. study, other products don't have that compared no. to what we have. So it's really exciting to see that. And patients should feel comf- confident that when they're they're asking about revision from you know their aesthetician and their physicians are going online. I think our website, revisionskincare.com, is so great. And we have such a great team that really like highlights the products and what it's supposed to do and the key ingredients. And we put the before and afters. And we have a great team, even our customer service team, that take in questions on a day-to-day basis and works with research and development as well as regulatory and marketing to answer the questions from the consumer. So it's all integrated really well together. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, IntelliShade, I said this earlier, IntelliShade, Matt, is the product I've used the longest. I've tried every other, you know, obviously sunscreen. I have probably 700 in my bathroom, but I've used <laughs> IntelliShade Matte now for about 15 years. So, wow. <laughs> and I always go back to it. And so I have a couple more questions. Okay. So you okay, were talking no about marketing too. Um, is there sometimes like a, like a push and pull between like, the clinical side and the marketing side of things at revisions? Um, I think we all work really well together. I, I, you know, I love our marketing team. They challenge me in the (laughs) best way possible. Like they're so smart and they have a a view on things different than my scientific brain. Right. So I think that, I don't know if it's like, I don't know. I think it's just, it's a very positive, impactful team that Mm -hmm. works really well together and we, we sit and we brainstorm, we throw ideas. We, I don't know, I'm just really amazed by that team. They're, they're, they ask me questions that I'm not prepared for. And I'm like, oh, I got to figure this out. And I'm like, <laughs> I have to run to figure it out. But it's just, no, I, I mean, I don't want to like, you know, be annoying when I say this, but it's a really great company. Like yeah, all, no. It's a really it, great company. It sounds and like we it. all respect each other. That's great. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I had interviewed someone previously and they had talked about sometimes there's tension between, um, what they're comfortable saying the product does and what marketing wants to say that it does. And so I didn't well, know. It's, I didn't know. Yeah. I mean, def- there's with, but with our team we're they're all so educated and they understand the rules and regulations. And we also have different avenues. We have, what can we say within um, for, for the healthcare professionals and what can we say for the consumers? Because can some consumers don't want to know all the science and the details. So we split it. We split the message and then we have social media, right? What is going to be an Instagram is going to be different than what's being told all on the same message, but the science might be a little bit um, taken Mm -hmm. down a bit. Right. But we all work really hand in hand. I, you know, I just, I mean, one of the senior brand managers and I, we, we like, I love her. So uh, (laughs) Tiffany Smith. So we just, we work so well together and she's just, she teaches me things that I never knew. So it's just really great. Yeah. Yeah. And you can tell that it works. Y'all work well together because I feel like y'all have great marketing and it's all very like synergistic. It's not kind of like, you know, sometimes it's not a cohesive message. And I always feel like, especially once you're launch a product, you can tell you've been, it's been in the works for a while that it's not just a random launch. (laughs) Oh, thank you so much for that compliment. I'm sure they're going to love it when they hear you say this because we work so hard all together, every department. And, you know, it's just, we just want to get it right. And we want the message to be understood, you know, even, 
even for our sales team to understand, mm-hmm. I mean, they're our key, our key, like they have to be able to explain it to their, to their providers and they need to be confident with their research and the science and the messaging. We spend a lot of time on it, which is really wonderful. So. Yeah. And I mean, obviously our, our representatives are always so great and they always know about it. You know, I just try to, I know that they don't know about the launches until they're coming up because they would tell everybody and I would want them to tell exactly. them. Exactly. <laughs> Trust it's me, they always good. want, yeah. yeah, it's really good that way. I, I, you know, they're always like, Oh, sorry, what's happening. I'm like, I can't tell you something, <laughs> you know? So it's really oh, for fun. sure. Yeah. If they knew, I would be like, you're going to tell me, <laughs> I'm going to yeah. get it out of you. Yes. Um, so a lot of y'all's, um, jar product now is going into tubes. Is there, is that because of bacteria? Is there a reason for that? There's all, I think that the, there's a lot of reasons, but I think from the consumer acceptance, when we look at a jar versus a tube, I think the user experience actually is better for a tube than a jar. And, um, yeah, Mm -hmm. I, I think that's how I would say it. And of course, like, um, in this day of age with, COVID-19, you never yeah. know, but, but like, but sometimes some people don't want to put their hand in a jar. I, mm-hmm. I can tell you that I, I don't like it. I've never liked the jar concept, mm-hmm. but, um, for me, I'm, I, I'm a tube girl or a pump girl. That's <laughs> yeah. what I like. So, um, I, I it was too, just, for sure. and I think that was, um, something that marketing and the team listened to our customers and our patients and they, they telling us that, what they like. I think I've heard that before that the jar mm-hmm. is, they don't like the jar. So we, we shifted to the, to the tubes. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. No, it makes sense. I just don't like my best friend. I mean, she's my age and her mid thirties, but like, she's an old lady and she likes everything in a jar. And like, if it doesn't mm. come in a jar, she doesn't want to use it. And she wants, she wants like a cold cream. She can just like, you know, put all over. So I didn't know if that was going to be like a hard switch for some people, but I mean, I definitely get, especially like you said with COVID and everything, I feel like it's just better, (laughs) but yeah, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Um, speaking of has COVID made it harder for y'all to do these clinical trials or to get ingredients? Like how has it kind of impacted like what you do? I mean, I can tell you that we've done some clinicals during the COVID era Mm -hmm. and recruiting patients um, has been a little bit difficult. Interestingly enough, some that have had COVID still continue on the study, which is exciting. But (laughs) I think it's basically um, in the site that we're doing the clinicals, um, are they shut down and how are they going to handle the new protocol procedures with the mask? Because you know, in a study, your patient comes in and they're supposed to equilibrate at that temperature. So if they come from the heat, they come into an AC room, like they have to equilibrate for 20 minutes before taking a, a Vizia picture before and after picture, right? Mm-hmm. So now it's like they wear a mask. So if they're going to wear a mask, are they going to be six feet apart? Can they not wear a mask? Because will the mask cause any redness in the face? Now we have to think about all these protocols and procedures and mm-hmm. how many patients can come to a study site at once. Now it's like, before it could be, let's say, 10 to 20, and now it's like maybe two or three. So it really depends on the site and what their procedures are. So it has, didn't slow us down and just, you know, just some changes. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of ingredients, I think that I can't speak to the procurement aspect of that or the supply chain. I, I haven't seen an issue, but but I'm yeah. an R&D, so I don't yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> Not, Not sure very well. Yeah. <laughs> um, so... Speaking of, is there any new releases coming out you can tell us about? 
there's going to be some, but I can tell you the newest release is the melasma study. So that's exciting. That is exciting. I didn't know about that. That's really a big deal. I don't, I can't think of anyone off the top of my head that I could think of that was able to, I mean, that's why I was asking if you were able to say it because they were like, we've been shown this, but we don't have the studies to back it. So is there other companies that have that? Um, to our knowledge, I mean, they've, I mean, there are studies on hydroquinone-based products and vitamin C, right. but not combining, you know, C plus and true physical or some uh, or the how we did our study. I, I don't believe there's something like that in the marketplace. Right? No. Yeah, outside um, of hydroquinone. Um, yeah, and it's an option. You know, we, we what we write in the publication is that this is a hydroquinone-free option that really did not cause any issues in tolerability and safety and patients actually enjoyed being in the study and enjoyed the process. There was like no resentment whatsoever. It was a positive experience for them. And um, we can speak to the fact that these women did have severe melasma and they were able to see improvements in the 12 weeks. And actually what's even more phenomenal is that the study took place in the summer in Chicago. Oh, wow. oh. So summer plus pollution in yeah. a city. <laughs> It, it's like, it's a beautiful study, beautiful case study. Wow, that is great. Yeah, and in terms of other products, I mean, we we tend to, there's always a capacity to how much, how many products can you launch per year based mm-hmm. on the company as well as what does a patient want. So, um, you know, with, we had launched Body Firm and C+, so two big launches a year. So we're trying to stay within that one to big, two big launches a year. Um and when we and when we launch these big innovations, you know, clinically substantiated patent pending technologies, publications, like everything, all pulled together. So a lot of a lot of things happening behind the scenes to get there. So you, you will see in the near future something okay. very okay. Well, yeah, I'm excited. I always, like I said, when I know when there's a big revisions launch, it's like going to be gangbusters. So I'm always excited. Yeah, I'm always impressed. That's for sure. So to wrap Thank up. You. What do you think is like in the future for like revisions or skincare in, in general? Like, what do you think is going to be um, big products or ingredients um, in the near future? I think that the microbiome is here to stay, mm-hmm. and we're seeing these bigger CPG companies talking about the microbiome and really helping kind of spread the word so that companies like us can speak to it easier with healthcare professionals and our patients. But I think the microbiome is going to definitely change. It's going to really help. It's going to be something mm-hmm. that's not going to go away. And talking more about prebiotics and learning about how can we really perform studies within the microbiome on the skin. So that's what I believe is going to resonate. So, yeah. yeah. Well, that's exciting. Well, Alzar, thank you yeah. so much for coming on. This has been definitely one of my most fascinating interviews I've done, and I've learned so oh, much. <laughs> that's so nice to hear. Thank you so much, Courtney, for having me. This has been just really, really a wonderful experience. So. Oh, well, thank you. And I can't wait to see what y'all come out with this year. And we'll talk soon. Thank you for tuning into the Beauty Formula. Follow us at the Beauty Formula Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Don't forget to subscribe and review on your favorite podcast platform. And tune in next week for more insights on influential beauty innovation.